did I agree to run the United Supermarket Defense Association? Things were so much smoother when Dex was in charge. Oh, Dex, Dex, thank goodness you're here. The salts and sugars, oh, it must have been all-out war. How many Ikes went down? Everybody we threw out of the friggin' banana. Dan and Lady X is the only ones missing. And the lady's got an alibi. Dex and I were just talking. I warned him there might be trouble. We all knows when a product loses its icon, it spurls, it goes bad. So what can we do here? Nothing. We're the soul of our products. Without us, they're gone. So what's up, guys? It's me, Youth Shy. With me, as always, is Finn Sound Nicholas. And you're l- so 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 so. And you're listening to the Shite and Sound podcast. It is a podcast where every week we go deep on the modern political age. Yeah, it's like uh, Pod Bless America plus uh, Chapo <laughs> Trap House. Yeah. Uh, so we, we just really hate ourselves. Yeah. And We're just constantly furious at ourselves for no reason. Uh, and we are, to timestamp it, we are recording this while America is still just really doing its best to reject fascism in the limpest, the, the, the most least point- convincing way possible. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I'd just like to say just a big shout out to all the fascists in America. Congratulations. You passed 69 million votes and may I be the first to tell you, fuck off. (laughs) I hope something terrible happens to each and every one of you. And so I thought this week, uh, uh, we could shift gears a little from our politics. Yeah. From our, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty bleak talking about politics all the time. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about something lighter. And well, last week, uh, uh, we of course we did talk our, about some, something with no political implications at all. Yeah, a five hour mega episode on the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett and why that uh, naked grab of power to institutionalized racist ideas was actually just a suave political move with no material outcomes for for people who need them because we're two white men we can talk about this as if it's a game but let let's have some fun and just watch two non-political films so i just opened a grab bag of films you can see it over there it's the big rubbish sack that i filled with loose blu-ray discs yeah just to deliberately enrage you um uh, like it, it wouldn't be as much of a problem if you hadn't like scratched all of the markings <laughs> off every disc. Yeah, no, and then thrown away the cases as well. Yeah, no. So we can. We had to go for about like fifteen special features discs. <laughs> yeah, before we found an actual movie. But I gotta tell you, a lot of art. Well, I, I just got here. I was like, hey, Finn, do you, do you want to see the making of Sin City: A Dame to Kill For? <laughs> yeah. And I said no. What? And Pick a real movie. <laughs> and so the spirit. <laughs> Three hundred. 300 Rise of an Empire, the original Sin City. Okay, so if I was going to rank all of those. <laughs> okay. So. You've seen all of them. I haven't seen A Dame to Kill For. Oh, no, no. So you haven't seen the one film with Lady Gaga in it? <laughs> On that list. No. So that automatically puts it at the top. Oh, okay. Well, you wouldn't want it in the shallows. Oof. Uh. Okay, so. We've, we've, heard, we've heard a lot of bad jokes today. And uh, no, that that one was the last straw. I'm. <laughs> yeah, look, he's standing up. He's walking. Oh no, he's. Well, uh, b- b- before I walk out the door, I've got to do my stretches first, just to make sure I don't pull a hammy or anything. <laughs> um, uh, the thing you guys don't know is that that we're next to some 
big French doors that lead onto a beach and the thin... Oh, yeah, he's just he's just yeah, walking be, into it, the ocean. It should be said, we're, 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 we're podcasting from Malibu right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've always been podcasting yep. from Malibu. That's why we've got it, such it, hot insider tips. Yeah, it, every single episode is recorded in the in the house from the opening of Two and a Half Men. I don't okay. Because you know, there's always, there's always but like the, the the house is like supposed to be on the on the beach in Malibu. So there's always yeah. a, an establishing shot of like a, a beach house in Malibu, hmm. and then it cuts to a studio where it's not actually shot inside a house in Malibu. So did you prefer the Ashton Kutcher or the Charlize Sheen years? So of... I I think I only saw about two episodes of the Ashton oh, yeah. Kutcher run. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember nothing about it. I mean, do you think he does? Yes. I think he, he, I think he looks back on it fondly. Uh, okay. But what do you think of the Charlie Sheen years? Uh, I, I think... I how do you feel enjoyed about, them as like a nine-year-old. How do you feel about the screen presence of Charlie Sheen? Uh, magnetic. Yeah. Well, uh, you're going to un- be very... Undeniable. You're going to be very happy about one of the two <laughs> picks I've got for us. But first, uh, it's... Uh, you know, I, I, can't ta- I can't wait to take a look, in- to take a glimpse inside <laughs> the mind of Charles Swan the fourth or whatever that fucking movie was called. Um, but, like, um, if, if, if you're soft, I'll just be like... Oh, should I watch that? Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in that. But no, it's not. Because like, she's also an Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. I'm not going to fucking watch that. Why not? Oh, it's also a... got Ellen Tudyk in it. Maybe I and should watch that. And it's a Timur mampatov joint. Yeah. Like, that guy is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see it in his films. I like it. Um, I like Day Watch and Night Watch. I've not seen anything else he's done. I have seen one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I've seen Wanted. Every, the every... one film we talk about every week. <laughs> Um, just I've never seen a curved bullet. No, ne- neither, ne- neither have I. <laughs> I just think it, the film that gave the world Christopher Pratt, the worst Chris, <laughs> even if you include Chris Columbus, the discovery, <laughs> and Chris Columbus, the director, and Chris Cross. Are those ones who are going to make you jump jump? <laughs> yeah, I believe so. Yeah, That's a reference I only know from other podcasts. <laughs> So, uh, but I thought we should start out with a classic, a famously apolitical classic that has no repercussions or statement to Mm. make about the real world. So I thought, get out the old 1942 classic, Casablanca. The house is a white. Yeah. Uh, You say, hey, Robert De Niro, do you paint houses? And he says, yes, I paint them white Uh, in Casablanca. (laughs) And, of course... (laughs) I just put that all together, right? <laughs> Sorry, it just took me. I was like, it's because it took a while because it was very dumb. <laughs> yeah, or too smart. Um, but yeah, Casablanca, the White House uh, in English, which is an entirely non political story um, about a lonesome, grifting war profiteer <laughs> who's holed himself up in the one place of refuge and uses his perpetual and unknowable power to manipulate all those around him with the idea that he is somehow some paragon of good when many, many people are dying who he has the resources to save and eventually through the odd, his odd possessive feeling towards a single woman does a single act of kindness that we are told 
creates him, makes him a good person. He, he does two acts of kindness. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, one is based around rigged gambling, though. So. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he he rigs a gambling game to to stop a woman being raped. Ah, uh, yeah, that that's right. That's the most anti-Trump thing in the film. <laughs> the idea, um, but yeah, not a political film at all. And and for fun, uh, with that, I know you love Charlie Sheen. Yep. I know you love uh, animated films. I love I love Wayne Brady. I love Larry Miller. Um, uh, I love Cloris Leachman's later work. <laughs> uh, Christopher Lloyd. Stuff. I do love Christopher Lloyd. Uh, uh, Eva Longoria Parker from Existentialist Masterpiece. No exit brackets. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, over, my de- over her, her dead, dead body. Um, uh, it's called. It's a 2012 joint. It had 60 million dollar budget uh, and. Uh, it, it kind of sunk without a trace, and no one quite knows why. It's called Food Fight. Uh, and now imagine... So it, it's, it's, a, it's about some food that has a fight. <laughs> or I, I think it's a, bit, it's a bit more than that. It's also a non-political film. It's, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a non-political a... film about, about <laughs> hordes of Nazis marching through the street and murdering people they call Ikes. Well, and, and, and the, the very fact that the conflict is that uh, all the uh, uh, like food s- brand name spokesmen have come to life, uh, and th- the evil is the cheaper generic brand name stuff. Yeah, w- which is which is addictive and poisonous. Yeah, and bland, uh, and, and, and turns people into Nazis. Yeah. Uh, again, apolitical. Apolitical. Nothing to say about that. And I thought, yeah. what if uh, you and me... Like, that's what I say when I'm like a New York Italian guy and I'm walking down the street and I see my friend political, I'm like, hey, political! <laughs> hey! <laughs> uh, forget about it. Because we're apolitical. Oh, God, I love Donald Trump. He's got a real grab him by the pussy <laughs> energy. It's okay, we don't need to talk about him anymore. <laughs> He's not. Uh, he's not relevant. That's not. Except his entire. I do. Except his like entire ideology is still like controlling one of the major political parties. Oh, yeah. And sixty over sixty million people voted for him. But like he's 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 done now. Forget but about him. We thought that about Dom Brash in two thousand and five. Yep. And that now he's hanging out in green rooms with a, with a fan brigade. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, imagine a remake of Green Room, but with the fan brigade and Don Brash. It would be. I mean, much it would be shorter. a very, it would be a yeah. very short movie. I do want to see that though. Well, Speaking of Green Room, we had Halloween recently. Yeah, uh, I, I went as Anton Yelchin's character from Green Room. Oh uh, yeah, I did the like face paint. I uh, stole my sister's uh, denim jacket, which I got uh, fake blood all over. I uh, duct taped my arm up and uh, uh, ended up cutting off the circulation to my arm for several hours. Why didn't you just remove the duct tape? Well, I couldn't ruin the costume. It was too good. Did many people recognize you? Uh, no, no. <laughs> One person was like. Hey, Finn, what, 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 what are you? And I was like, so there's a movie called Green Room, and I'm, one of, and he's like, oh, Green Room, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's like the closest to to recognition yeah, of okay. anyone. Yeah, I, I'm an adult, so I did not dress up for Halloween <laughs> because I, I live in New Zealand, a culture that has failed on some fronts to resist the cultural hegemony of failed state <laughs> America. Um, and I, I like to engage with that where I can, of actually being like, what if we just didn't? What if I don't need to dress up as portrait of a lady on fire festival, you oh, know? Oh, that's pretty good, though. 
No, get that joke so good. I put it in the witching hours. Thanks for coming. Uh, if you came, go go to thewitchinghours.com to listen to past and, and future episodes. There are some very good jokes and some okay jokes. Oh, I just realized I haven't written an intro yet. Oh, no. No, okay, fuck it. I don't feel like doing one this week. No, what? What the fuck? No, fuck it. No intro from me. So, Casablanca. Let's talk about Casablanca. So, I was just listening to the music in my head mainly. <laughs> Yeah, Casablanca, a bit of a biggie. It looms large on the cinematic... Oh, sorry, that's my intro. <laughs> so gotta got to keep my catchphrase. It's a big entry on the cinematic scale, right? Yeah. Like, uh, at least it felt like when I was an up-and-coming film nerd, the best film was either Casablanca or Citizen Kane. Mm. I watched this movie when I was like 14 or 15 years old. It was, yeah. it was on Sky Movies one day. I was like, yeah, I've, I've heard about this. I'll, I'll give it a look. What was your 14 or 15-year-old take on it? Yeah, it was good. And like that, that's about as much as I thought about Casablanca. Yeah, it's fine, right? Yeah, I know. It's I totally get why so many people love it. I can't really get past, like, it is a very good movie. It's not a movie that I, like, love at all. Yeah, I think watching it today, in today's apolitical, precedented context, watching a film about trying to save people from the genocide of World War II by sending them to America <laughs> rings so hollow. <laughs> uh, and, and because it is this so clearly self-aggrandizing myth of like, see, the thing about Americans is we can play all sides. We get it done, you mm. know? Uh, and that we see this like the, oh, he's rough and he makes money, but he's a good guy with with the whole thing with yeah. Rick. Where I'm like, oh, no, this is the beginning or the cementing of a mythology that leads to like orange diaper man being like, stop, vote, when me, when, ha, ha, ha. And just being like, ah, oh, and so much of that. And the fact that it was, because I think so much of why uh, Casablanca is a capital C classic is that one person somewhere decided it was, and it has been repeated so much, like so much of the iconography of it. It's so omnipresent that you're like, of course it's good. Like, looking at the cinematography, which is stunning. Mm. I mean, obviously it looks beautiful, but it looks beautiful because that's what Casablanca looks like, <laughs> and we've been told that Casablanca is beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. Was, I was talking to you about The Five Bloods, the Spike Lee joint. It's good. Check it out. Um, and, and amongst the things I like in that film, oh, I do not like it doing title case for all of its subtitles that makes them very hard to read oh, okay every word in the subtitles is has a is capitalized first letter it's like you're reading newspaper headlines oh that's weird um and, and i i don't like its uh inclusion of non-white characters i don't know who I, to relate to no is the, the that film is about four old dudes who are getting on and they're grouchy but the film loves them so much and Spike Lee is so enamored with them that he shoots them in a way where they're like, for that film, they're like the hottest people in the world. 
and, and it shows that like the only way you can make the anything can be attractive on film anything can be appealing like aesthetically you just need a filmmaker who cares enough to do it and, and yeah uh, like for most of history people be like uh you know coprophagia gross but, but yeah. then Pasolini came along yeah and he was like nah this is hot i mean like Pasolini started the work that that Pornhub continues <laughs> to this day, you know? Uh, it's unfair to Pasolini. I mean, it's unfair to Pornhub. <laughs> no, that is so... No, no, Pornhub are a monstrous organisation. Yeah. Have you listened to John Ronson's audiobook about it? Uh, about Pornhub? About the porn industry. No. About Pornhub essentially destroying the porn no. industry. Uh, it's very interesting. Um uh, and it, it, that sounds like code. No, it's good. Um, uh, and that it's basically impossible to make moral pornography anymore. Anyway, because of capitalism. But but Casablanca, like, so much, like, this is what people cared about at that moment when they cared the most about film and cultural domination. So, yeah, this narrative. So there's this guy, Rick, uh, he runs a cafe. It's called Rick's Rick's Cafe American. Um, he and do, do, do you know what that translates as? American Cafe. Fuck, that makes so much sense. <laughs> what did you think of Belie? It was just like this is a cafe that only serves Americanos. Uh, I don't know. As we've gone over before, I don't understand any other languages. Um, you understand cinema? <laughs> <laughs> it's a language. You understand, like, you just need subtitles. You can understand other languages, just not what they're saying, you know? You know when you can listen and you're like, I get it from the tone. That's understanding language. <laughs> Surely you can play a musical instrument of some kind. Nope. Have you tried, though? Yeah. You've got a guitar, don't you? Yeah, and a keyboard and a trumpet. Oh. I have I have zero <laughs> I have just work, I have zero musical ability. You're just really working towards failing at being the whole of a scar band. Oh, I, I just got I just got so many instruments for free over the years. Oh, okay, okay. So you're not you're not like no, this is the instrument I'll learn. The piccolo, this is this is what I'll learn. Um uh, next I'm gonna take up cornet. And then just going um, to really scar it up. Um, I, I feel like you could. What would your scar band name? I'll I, be Finn and the Nicholas, right? No, you'd have to have scar in there somewhere, oh, like yeah. all good scar bands do. Uh, right. Skatek of the clones. <laughs> so Casablanca, there's this guy, Rick, Rick's American Cafe. Um, there, there's a lot of the, the head of the local French police. He's, his name is like pilot of the police or something. Right? Uh, who, who can tell? His, his name his name is Captain Renault. Yeah, Captain Renault mm. has just done another sweep of all the picking up all the usual suspects because mm. there's been uh, there's been a murder. Yeah, of a Nazi, I believe. Uh, a German man who was being used as a courier by the Nazis. Uh, yeah. So, so right. the, the, this courier has been killed by by the resistance for for some letters that he was carrying. But also to speak apolitically, when you're within a system that's as big and as evil as the Nazis. Nazis um, perpetrating death on a mass scale, whether it be through concentration camps or uh, not doing anything about COVID or building a wall along Mexico. There becomes a point where remaining within that system is an implicit endorsement yeah. of it, right? Just to not be political about it at all. Um but Rick likes to stay out of these things, as we learn. And when one of his, the thing, like Rick, is an iconic screen character. Yeah, 
you know his look, you know how he talks. The he's 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 a he's a real stinker. <laughs> yeah, the th- the thing I was about to get to is the thing you forget about Rick is how pissy he yeah. is. How almost every conversation with him is people being like, "Hi, you're looking good," and he's like, "I don't know how to look at all," and he was like. <laughs> <laughs> Take the compliment. Just like, can I trust you, Rick? It'd be funny to trust anyone. Rick, come on! What nationality yeah. are you, Monsieur Rick? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a drunkard. <laughs> yeah. Just like, come on, man. He loves telling kids that he's looking at them, <laughs> which would absolutely like, this not This movie fly. is is filled to the brim with petting zoos. <laughs> um, there's so, uh, and yeah, like he's kind of, he's a very clear epochal idea of cool. And mm. um, that he, you know, he did some stuff in France that he ran away from. He's fought on the wrong side a couple of times. Um, and now yeah, he's so in and, Casablanca. Yeah, so during the Spanish Civil War, he was yeah. fighting against the fascists. Good job. I, good, good, yeah, good pick. I think... Uh, apolitically, I don't think it's a hard decision to look at two options, one of being a fascist and one being Joe Biden, and to maybe give 50% of your vote to a fascist. Like, I, like, I think that's a pretty easy decision in no politics corner here. Yeah. We never said that your name is Finn Sound Nicholas. I'm yeah, just yeah, I think we, we said it in the like, first 20 minutes, but it didn't get recorded. <laughs> Which is good. Hey, I'm Finn Sound Nicholas. I'm I'm doing great, having a fun time here. Just just recording the podcast, you know. Uh, you know, seen two movies already today. Only one of them was uh, totally uh, soul draining. Oh, I I found them both quite soul draining because of the political context. But so Casablanca um, is also kind of like uh, one of the few places you can get out uh, of yeah. Nazi held territory. Yeah. Yeah, and so the town is constantly full of refugees who are trying to buy passage uh, yeah. to, to, to America uh, because Europe is uh, fucked at this point. Yeah. And this basically means that there are a lot of uh, desperate people that can be taken advantage of in the town. And as it's presented in the film, the entire economy of Casablanca yeah. is about extracting as much money as possible from, from these poor, desperate people fleeing and, the worst thing that's ever happened to humans. And Rick's uh, uh, is very much the place where those deals go down, you know? Yeah. Uh, he, he never sits down to talk business with anyone because he doesn't want to know mm. what the, the business happening is. And so, yeah, it is it is interesting, the apolitical point that this film accidentally makes is that uh, neutrality in the face of sociopathic fascism uh, is an endorsement of the fascism. I, yeah. I don't think that's an accident. I, I, I think that might be an accident on Michael Curtiz's part. Yeah. But I think play that this is based on, everyone, oh, yeah. everyone Comes to Rick's, is pretty explicitly yeah. ab- about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whereas, like, and the... Oh, I'm just trying to maintain our non-political yeah. stance. Yeah. For people who, who don't know as much about Michael Curtiz, the reason that I think it was an accident on, on his part is that just two years before he made Casablanca, he made a movie called Santa Fe Trail, which I, I might have talked about on a previous episode. But that is strongly in the running for my least favorite movie of all time. That is a movie that takes place just before the American Civil War. Yeah. It is a movie that exists to whitewash the Confederacy and all of that good stuff. Yeah. But like what it's doing on an allegorical level is it is also making the argument that America shouldn't have a problem with the Nazis and should just let them do whatever they want because they're not bothering us. And so in, in two years, he went from that 
to making this movie, which is very explicitly anti-Nazi. I, I... And, and about how you cannot be neutral in the face of fascism. Um, but that's because I... Because this is 1942. The, the, the film is still going. Old yeah. Dolph Hitler is still hanging about causing mm. <laughs> pranks and mischief. Yeah, uh, as he was wont to do, you know. It was a, <laughs> him and his best friend, Jonathan Knoxville, <laughs> were just running around shopping carts, just, yeah. just shaking people's heads. Um, hello, uh, my name's Adolf Hitler, and welcome to Jackass, <laughs> is how... Oh, God, what is that Lenny Liefenstahl film called? Uh, Triumph of the Triumph Will. Triumph of the Will <laughs> starts. Is that it, it is right, and that it is that it gets all its subtext right yeah. and that it mentions concentration camps even though it was ambiguous at that point yeah what was being concentrated there in a way that if someone were to open concentration camps now uh on the mexican border uh it wouldn't be ambiguous and that a nation voting to support that even slightly would be ridiculous but yeah. and i think the reason that it can work is that the script does it and background details do it because the film that curtis made is about a guy meeting up with an ex and deciding that it's okay she loves someone else, and the Nazis are the paintings on the wall behind Yeah, like, them. the parts of the film that, that Michael Curtiz is most interested in making is he, he is making a romance film with sort of like a war backdrop. Yeah, I, I remain mixed on this film yeah. for that reason. But yeah, so basically there, there's this guy on the run whose name, I want to say his name is Laszlo Kovacs, but that's it, not it, his it's name. It's Victor Laszlo. Victor Laszlo, who's this Czechoslovakian resistance fighter. He's like the leader of the resistance. Yeah. He, he's, he's the coolest dude in Europe. Europe. And he's arrived in the White House to be like, oh, I'd like to get to America, land of the free, where everything will be great. America, the country that will learn the lessons of World <laughs> War II. I'd love to go there. And he's brought with him uh, uh, some fine dame named Ilsa. Uh, I think it's his. Oh, yeah. It no, is no, Ilsa, because yeah, yeah, I no. kept remembering, because I kept misremembering her name is Ilsa Faust. Yeah, no, okay. From... Okay, here's the thing. I I kept thinking that for the, the entire movie as well. <laughs> okay. like, every time they didn't say her last name for a while, I was like, so, so name, so name is Ilsa Faust? Ilsa... From from Mission Impossible: uh, from, Rogue Nation from, and, and and Mission Impossible: Fallout of a of a like play, play 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 by play by Rebecca Ferguson from the Snowman from 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 Doctor Sleep and from probably some Swedish shit. She she's Swedish or Norwegian? I don't know. I think she's Swedish. Swordwegian. Sure. That's when a swordfish is a merman, and mm. the top half is. A swordfish in the bottom half. Oh, there's is... a guy called Sven. <laughs> yeah, but his nude legs. Yeah. <laughs> that would be... That's quite a good idea for, like, a horrific villain. I'm sure that exists somewhere. Makers of the Resident, Il... <laughs> Resident <laughs> Evil games. Skin touch, because i got something for you. Reverse mermaid. <laughs> there is the best... Swordfish bit. up top, <laughs> dick down below. <laughs> there is, in the Stephen Chow film, The Mermaid... The best bit of that film, which very much falls into the long day's journey into night. Like, right, yeah, yeah. This is great, but probably made with very unethical labor. Um, uh, is this extended gag about a man describing a mermaid to a police sketch artist and, it, oh, and him always drawing too quickly. So it's like half, ma half man, half fish. And so it is like <laughs> half fish on the left. And anyway, it's great. 
check it out. I tweeted it once. Um, but so, uh, and Elsa uh, and Rick have a history. They fell in love in Paris, uh, and then were like, let's get out of here. The Nazis are coming. The um, Nazis. The Nazis. Hitler's on the move. I did not see them coming. Anyway, uh, I'll meet you. Actually, at the... everyone pretty much knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I'll meet you at the train station. Uh, uh, well, it, it should be said, like, while they're in Paris, they're in love, he says, he's looking at you, kid, like three times to her. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, sure. Just, I, guess, I, I guess anything can become a catchphrase if you say it enough. Well, and because he just keeps, because it is, it is the fact that of all the things he says, it's the only thing that's literally true. And that he always, it's not like he's looking at you, kid, as an, an adjacent point to something else that's being said. It's always like, I am looking yeah, at he's, you. He, he kid. always says it while staring at her, <laughs> which is like, cool, I get it. But what? Well, because we kept talking about how, because this, like, so much I think of the innovation of this film was putting jokes and drama, which is to say that, like, the, a lot of the dialogue is like a screwball comedy. A lot of people just pinging and ponging and saying opposites at each other. Like, how you doing? Having a good day? Good day. Bad night. Bad <laughs> night. Medium evening. You know, things like that. Yeah, I mean, just in the background, it's just like unimaginable human suffering. <laughs> Like kind of yeah, um, uh, but so much where it could be I mean, very... like, oh, it's like a Will Ferrell film, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, like a lot of this film, you could add into any scene of the film a character being like, "We're so many layers deep in our witty metaphor that we're discussing." I have no idea what yeah. we're talking about, <laughs> or just someone being like, "What? Did, who are you talking? What's going on?" And, and I think so much of like that trained double speak for the film and that you very quickly understand that everyone is playing or expressing more than one thing is how you can start really reading into it. It's anti-fascist <laughs> ideas. Um, but yeah. And so Rick then spends about half the film being like, should I help this guy? Should I not help this guy? And then at the end is like, and while he's just like, you know, I'm going to be drunk for a while. <laughs> yeah. I'm sad. And I'm drunk. Uh, um, when you're drunk, you sort of extend some vows. Was that you speaking from experience of dr drunk alcoholism? I know all about it. I've done it many times. <laughs> uh, What's your favorite alcohol liquor? Uh, I had a sip of beer once. <laughs> and I was like, this is gross. Yeah, I mean... Try. I've got some for Joe and your, your expensive Japanese whiskeys. I've only got one of those, but it's good. It is good. <laughs> I also bought some some Jack Daniels with cinnamon in it. Oh yeah, uh, that's less good because it's less Japanese. You know the film. You know the well, beats. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's all about him, like ha having to like having to like learn to care about people again. He, after he's like he's put himself in this like self imposed exile. He has to learn that political causes matter. Yeah. He has to learn that he can love people and all that stuff. And he has to and, learn that and people that are worthwhile. Can, and that you can like. The thing I love about this film, the good, the thing it gets right is that the emotional conf that no, the emotional conclusion, not confusion, mm. is him going, "Oh, I still love you, but don't leave this guy. He loves you too." Yeah, 
and, and that it's not about playing a game to win her back or giving up on her yeah. or whatever. And, and I like that. Ingrid Bergman does a great performance of the idea of a woman of like lesser person than like uh, a, a, an angel you did not pray on once. Um, and like all the cat, like all the cast is good. Yeah. But again, is this is like Peter Laurie's performance in two scenes. You're watching this being like, this is good because I've seen this parodied so many times, but is it? I just don't know if this film is good, I guess, is where I keep getting stuck. I don't know. It's, uh, it's got, it's got that song in it. You, you love that song. As time goes by. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely my favorite song. It's also that song about knocking on wood. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Congratulations on finding like the one not bit of wood in this room. Yeah. That's probably not wood either. I mean, I think it's technically wood. Yeah. In the way that, like, chicken nuggets were were technically once living, you know? Just as, like, screaming blobs. Kill me. I don't want to be in... uh, I'm not going to talk about nuggets. Um, (laughs) But also, like, uh, Casablanca's well-hewn ground, I think. I don't think there are many new things to say about it. Um, I... So is it... So I'm opening... So I got my keys here. No. I'm opening up the big heavy door to the the recommendation cave. Uh, the sorry the the, the, shite, the sound. shite sound cave. Sorry, no, so that's a, a different, different cave. No, no, no. So I'm locking that one. Yeah. So we'll just this, this, few this, like, steps the, over here. The, 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 you, you, you have to remember, like the 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 keys of a recommendation cave. You use the like pass card for the <laughs> for the right. shiny sound cave. Uh, yep, that's right. So yeah, we're just going in, just down these echoey steps into uh, shut to the shut and sound cave. How Finn? How how you doing? I'm 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 doing. <laughs> <laughs> this is. This beer is so bad today. <laughs> well, but like, what are you supposed I to know, say? What, I, I know. What hilarious gags are there to make about Casablanca that aren't pointing out that it's called White House? <laughs> We're back in the Shine and Sound Cave. No, we've been here the whole time. Yeah, but but, but I mean, like, back like emotionally. Oh yeah, emotion. I just don't know. Phys- what... Physically, we we, we um, never left. I, I, I like. I think we could run the real risk this episode of getting too political. And it being alienating. So I'm glad that we have these two apolitical films. So Finn, Casablanca, the story of a guileless, overly rich war coward profiteering off war until he does one good thing that two forgives him. Two good things. Uh, to, to make it better, is it shy or sound? As I said before, I don't totally love this film, but yeah. I, I, think, I, I think it is really good in, in a lot of ways. I love Humphrey Bogart in this. love the snappy dialogue. Yeah. I love any movie that's about how, that's about how like, actually, you should learn to care about things, you fucking idiot. <laughs> True. Like, it's important. It's imp- yeah, like, pe- like, people and ideas are worthwhile, and just sort of, like, locking yourself in a bar forever isn't going to fucking solve the world's problems. I mean, so I'm, I'm going to say it's sound. I yeah, I 
Uh, I want to say it's shite, yeah. even though uh, I, I... I know you. you. You talk about the, the entire movie, you're like, how, how can I say it's shite? <laughs> yeah. I, I want to really ruffle some feathers on this one. I mean, we do need a controversial take to, to boost well, it. Yeah, that, like, that, that, that was when we said that Bill and Ted's bogus journey <laughs> is better than The Seventh Seal. Which I believe, but I also yeah. do... I, like, I don't disagree with anything you just said. But also, Casablanca to me, and this is at such a... Sp- precise moment of time like right yeah. now and it is seeing this film that is this cultural monomyth about the the idealism of America like what this is propagate because the whole film is about like if you get need to if you just get to America everything will be fine in a sense right yeah uh, and, and, and that within that within these Hollywood structures of the star and what a hero is and how that plays out putting it in that position, it is just like, oh, this is such a set text of the cultural monomyth through which they went on to dominate the world. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just not a, like, it's, it needs to be, like, the thing about Citizen Kane, right, which I'm sure we'll get to when we get to it, is that it is actually as good as people say. Yeah. Like, watching Citizen Kane is like watching Monty Python in the, the first three series of Monty Python and that it feels like a greatest hits collection and that you're like, oh, that's right. Every bit of this is good. Yeah. Every element works. Every cut is perfect. And it is just... You're like, that, that bald cap is incredible. <laughs> and, and the, like, Casablanca is just quite a good film of its time and of its genre. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, this, kind of, and this kind of slightly semi-noir romance against the background of war thing but it nothing in it innovates especially i think and and the fact that this like america's being like look we created this art form we created this genre and then we were the best of it and that's the best film ever everyone love us you people will have to Every country in the world will have to have two emergency phone numbers, one of which is 911, because we are going to dominate the world so perfectly through just doing what we do well rather than any kind of... Because this should be a film about engaging all the sense of rebellion in the world, yeah, of World yes. War II, and being like, everyone is fighting this for different reasons. But making it this personal thing it does end up accidentally being about, like, one good American man's love is what can turn this around. Well, I don't know. I, I think it, it does get to, to that. We've seen where the Nazis of a bar who are singing some German song and then, mm-hmm. and then Laszlo comes in and he leads all, all the rest of the refugees and singing La Marseillaise. That moment is yeah. the movie kind of doing what, what you were just saying it isn't doing. And I, I think, like, it is... Yeah, it, it's a thinking with like what the play is focusing on and what Michael Curtiz is focusing on. Yeah. Well, and, and if it were like if Casablanca was just another film, you know, yeah. if it was like oh, you know, Humphrey Bogart from a bunch of good films, one of which was Casablanca, check it out. As a like, so much of my problem is the fact that it was so deliberately chosen and then embedded and sold as. The peak, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and being like, this is it. This is the best we can do. And then the rest of kind of popular culture, being Americans, being like, look at what we did. And the rest of the world, that's kind of cute. You can come help us with that, you know. And I, oh yeah, and 
It is a lot more politically complex than I'm giving it yeah. odds for. But I would say that, like, within their cultural domination, Americans taking slight senses of rebellion and integrating them is part of the evil of it. Right, okay. Um, but that's not... It's and. It's not shite. I'm not saying it's shite. Mm. I'm saying it's and. Okay. Just to continue my crit. No, I've used and before. I think I used it on Color of Pomegranates. Possibly, yeah. Um, okay, so, but I'll just, let's go back up these stone steps. And locked it behind us. So, Finn. I narrowly avoided stepping on a nail, like in a quiet place. Uh, I didn't, like in Home Alone. <laughs> Call me Daniel Stern. Because I just stood on a nail. You call me Joe Pesci because I'm <laughs> Russell Buffalino. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like what is it in Home Alone and Home Alone Two? The reason Joe Pesci speaks so much gibberish is them dubbing him swearing because he can't stop himself. <laughs> which I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's actually like, it's a good idea. Um, I I I was just Joe, con- Joe Pesci. I was I I've been continuing my research uh, into our enemies. Blank mm. check podcast. If you're listening, Griffin and David, you're talented, smart, and I we have very similar tastes, and I respect and admire your podcast. So it's time. It's war time. <laughs> uh, and they did an episode on the film Blank Check. And the thing they focus on is the most important thing, which is that the villain of that children's film is Miguel Ferrer doing like a proper monstrous, like there's a real sense in that film that he's just going to kill the kid. Yeah. The first movie I ever saw Miguel Ferrer in oh, was, wow. was Blank Check. It's what you get for not seeing Firewalk With Me in its release. Yeah, I, I re- really should have seen that uh, for years before I was born. Okay, so the year, but how good? Would Home Alone be? How much better would it be if Pesci was just five percent realer? Yeah, you know, um, that that'd be pretty good. So, Finn, the year is twenty twelve. Oh no, the apocalypse <laughs> is coming. Uh, uh, John Cusack's here with a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Barack Hussein Obama has uh, is just won his second term against old dog dog. Tire to the roof, Mitt Romney, uh, the richest man to ever run for president, the only successful businessman to ever run for president. The, the, the most Mormon person ever to run for president. Oh, no. JFK, secretly, it's, it's like it's a Tracy Jordan thing where it's all, all those stories about like JFK sleeping with sex workers all the time was to cover the fact that, no, he's, he wears the magic Mormon. underwear. Yeah, yeah. Disgusting. If there's one thing I hate more than uh, sexually violent presidents, it's Mormons. You're right. Um, where would you be at this time? In 2012? Yeah, yeah. I was in my, my third year of high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Keep going. I just I mean, forget. What were, you, like, what were you into? I was a big fan of a TV show, Community. Oh. I liked that a lot. By Dan Harming. Yep. Uh, someone who's never done anything wrong. Oh, but when he has, he's apologized, mm. okay, for it. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was just starting to get into uh, uh, in, into like more like experimental uh, music. I was, I was I was starting to listen to 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 a lot of the, a lot of the oeuvre of Steve Albini. 
lot of, lot of big black, a lot, lot of shellac, a lot of his other band that I won't say the name of. Why not? Because uh, you're a cad. Because uh, his other band is called Rape Man. Oh. Steven. Yeah. Um, I I would have been, it would be my, it was my first year. I had just finished my master's. Oh, yeah. Um, Or I was doing my master's that year. Yeah, I was. I was oh, doing okay. my master's in script writing at the II. ML is very prestigious, uh, and it was interesting because we were we were talking a lot about what makes a good film uh, and what makes a good story, uh, and how intentional do you have to be? And we were, you know, we were hanging out in Kelvin, which is a, a in former capital, Wellington. Um, Kelvin is the bargaining part of Wellington, um, and so. And it was, there was this momentary shake, like uh, uh, someone was twinging at, at the violin strings of reality and everything warped. And I didn't know then, because uh, we were at a sensitive nexus of storytelling, mm. that the ultimate exploration of the cinematic form that takes it to its logical end point beyond good or ill wise and unwise, smart and sane, good and bad, uh, had been released. And that's the film Food Fight by, um, it's called like Paradigm Animation. It's something like that, Or like yeah. Relentless. It's, uh, uh, it's a team name from, um, uh, from The Apprentice, pr- pretty much. Right, yeah, yeah. So it, it's a film that's written and directed by a guy called Lawrence Kasanoff. Well, there, he has a story credit and a screenplay credit, and there are five other people right. credited across those. Yeah. And so he... Um, well, the interesting... like that, Which is an interesting thing to first bring up, because Food Fight, no matter what you say about it, you would never guess that near five writers worked on this. It nope. definitely feels singular. Uh, like, as I, I was saying to you, Phil, like when, we, like when we first started watching it, it feels like one of those 3D animated things generated by an AI to go on YouTube and get millions of views from children and get them into, like, uh, like inbreak porn. And, and that seems like a, maybe even only a slight exaggeration for Comic Effect. It's not. That's absolutely what it's like. I feel yeah. like the thing that needs to be most discussed about this film is as aesthetic. During the film, I said to you, you know when you're in a real manic episode or you're having a panic attack and the whole of your mind feels sweaty Mm. and you just can't rearrange things, nothing quite makes sense. Like it's quite hard to track things in your vision because everything's jittering a bit. That is actually what Food Fight is like. Food Fight. Absolutely. A 2012 film, it costs 66 Zero million US dollars, um, which is which like what? What's the most money you've ever had at one time? Uh, uh, much less than that. Yeah, like, like same. Like or ma- many magnitudes, <laughs> orders of magnitude less than that. Um, uh, and is that it? Genu- it looks like reboot. But Reboot had a, the Canadian animated series, has a uniting aesthetic that this film doesn't have. This film film does have an aesthetic, which is how many characters can we make look like testicles? (laughs) And every scene, they add about four more characters that all look like testicles. Well, and they all 
undulate in a way that is incredibly uncanny. It, it is so like. It, it is so like unattached to to any sort of like physics or reality, and like it, it, I don't know, like you, you like as there was one character in the movie who was called like Cheezle Weasel, yeah, and he, he's he's vo- voiced by the director, and the the way that Cheezle Weasel moves <laughs> is, is so upsetting. <laughs> well, it's, like he he has like like his 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 lower body looks like a ball sack. I mean his his neck is just like this this tube that like extends and and shrinks just as noodles. needed. Yeah. yeah, and he and like sometimes he'll just like he'll just be like walking on a ceiling, or his head will like <laughs> be like like underneath him and between his legs. And it's uh, if you're looking at any one shot of food fight. Uh, the first thing you'll notice is relentless motion. Yeah. Characters are constantly moving or the camera is constantly moving. Um, but to look at any one shot is, you know, like the single issues you'll have with maybe one shot in a CG film and it'll feel a bit weird, but you're watching, you know, Ice Age, Age of Extinction. Yeah. And like a T-Rex steps weird and you're like, Oh, it just doesn't look like it has mass in this moment. Or like the bit in PlayStation 2 where Andy's hand slides across the ground with no friction. And you're like, oh, that just doesn't quite land. Like every shot in Food Fight, you are getting at least two or three of those. Like there's no sense of weight. There's no sense of movement. Everything is both too detailed and not detailed enough. It's genuinely... um, I really considered watching this film ahead of time under an altered state uh, uh, of of viewing so I could be like, no, actually, man, when you're connecting to the higher powers, this film makes sense. But then I remember that so much of this film uh, is grotesque and ups. We say Uncanny Valley and and not in that like, oh, that's interesting, like how it was utilised in Ex Machina. No, it is like your stomach hurts to watch this yeah. film. Yeah, like, I think, like, uh, over the past few years especially, the the, the the idea of, like, what it means for something to be uncanny has been really, like, diluted in, in popular culture. But, like, this is... This is actually what, like, like early, like, psychoanalysts meant when they used the word unheimlich. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, this is... It, it is... It is familiar, but it is... It is so wrong. You know what the nausea in... Sartre's nausea is. No. Well, there are several moments where, where the character experiences nausea. But one is he's having coffee at a cafe and he realizes that his cup of coffee exists as totally as he does. And like I had, as someone who has made and produced creative things in the world. Oh, say, as, someone, as someone who's made and produced cups of coffee. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, that makes him want to vomit existing. Right. But like being like, looking at this film that got 60 million dollars has a cast that includes you know an Estevez brother yeah yeah let, let, let's go through his cast because this is one of yeah. the weirdest casts ever assembled I think. We'll, we'll call them shite we'll call them shite or sound in general because uh. all performances in this film are shite mm-hmm. yeah no 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 don't try griff pick one good one there's not a tc14 in this <laughs> Okay, so first of all, we have Charlie Sheen as Dex Dog Detective. I mean, uh, bad choice. Dex Dog Detective, he's a dog, 
uh, who's a serial mascot, who of course always carries a gun, except when he's in a. Uh, uh, except when he's in a Casablanca parody. In a, yeah, yeah. So like sometimes he's like he's supposed to like be wearing like an Indiana Jones costume. Yeah, and sometimes he's supposed to be Rick from Casablanca. Uh, shite. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 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 Wayne Brady as Daredevil Dan, a disgusting uh, chipmunk who uh, who is made of chocolate. I, uh, the the interesting thing about Daredevil Dan is that Daredevil Dan as a character is so is of all the characters the worst executed. Uh, absolutely. Oh no, I th- maybe mm. there is a worse one. Well, he, you 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 see him so much. You see him so much. He's so relentless. That it's kind of like the weirdness of him comes so much from the animation and everything that it kind of skips past being racist. <laughs> like you don't, there's not the Jar Jar sense of looking at him being like feeling an unfounded sense of racial hatred. Whereas you're like, oh, this is what happened when incompetent people try and be racist, <laughs> you know? Hilary Duff as Sunshine Goodness, uh, who is um, some sort of like uh, uh, like half cat, half human woman, who is a mascot for a raisin company, and is the most upskirted I've ever seen someone in what is ostensibly a children's film. You should watch Love Exposure. That's not ostensibly a children's. That's a children's film. Oh my god! I mean George Miller. I, I shouldn't be so yeah. harsh to judge. Uh, okay, so uh, then we have uh, uh, oh shite, Hillary oh, Duff, yeah. bad, bad. Uh, but uh, a good elsewhere, I believe. In in the, the, the Haunting of Sharon Tate, and uh, no, <laughs> um, uh, just if anyone hasn't seen the Haunting of Sharon Tate, uh, don't. It's fucking uh, garbage trash. Yeah, it would be one, one, of, one of the most disgusting <laughs> movies I've ever seen. You're right. I cannot Morally stand evil. when Hollywood self mythologizes by callously rewriting the ending of the Tate murders. Yeah, one of those movies is good, one of them's bad. No, both are bad. No, what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the good version of The Haunting of Sharon Tate. No, uh, no. Uh, once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the bad version of Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> we'll, look, we'll get to our episode where we do our Sharon Tate revisionism double feature. Oh, yeah. We have Eva Longoria as Lady X, who is the... Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Hilary Duff in, uh, uh, is in the book show... Younger. Younger. People love that show. Stuart Wellington and Natalie Walker's favourite show. Ah, yeah. Wow. Congratulations to Stuart Wellington there. Eva Longoria as Lady X. Uh, I mean, the, we should talk about Lady X. We should talk about Lady uh, X. In that her her face is by far and away the most uncanny. Uh, in that it seems... like it, it's one they put like the most effort into to make it look human, and also like to like make it look like sexy. Uh, she, she's supposed to be hot in this movie. Well, and and but her like most like ill advised character designs. Her eyes are always pointing directly forwards, which makes her seem. <laughs> Like she's looking into the middle distance. I think the most ill-advised character design is the fact that she's wearing like different like fetish wear in every single scene. I like yeah. there, there, there was one scene where she just like shows up in a Catholic schoolgirl outfit with like pigtails and puts her entire leg up on Dick's dog <laughs> shoulder with the like knee leg socks and the short skirt. It is and it's like why is this happening? It is this just, is fucked. It is just so un like there is nothing in this film that you could point to and be like, look, you can't have a sex scene. But almost if all content in this film that contains a woman, which is of course depressingly little, um, is so heavily sexualized that it is just 
like and like the most insane thing about this film, right, is how inappropriate for children it is. Uh, ab- like absolutely, like yeah. beyond every like. If we agree that it's badly written, badly performed, badly produced, and badly conceived, right? Hmm. But, like, Ratatouille exists and is all of those things. But it isn't, like... Even something like Shrek, which has, like, a bunch of stuff yeah. where you're like, like, why, why, like, a child yeah. wouldn't enjoy this, like, a child wouldn't understand this. But you just don't get a real sense of, yeah. like... Princess Fiona's vagina in the film, you know, like of her vulva <laughs> featuring in the in the digesis, you know, <laughs> like there's just this, and it and it is just so, it's so misguided, yeah. And like why i presume they cast eva longoria because casting um, a woman of color as your lead Nazi, sorry, she represents Brand X, those famously malevolent cut price brands that aren't at all about feeding the poor uh, they're of course led by christopher lloyd uh who is uh so my favorite podcast uh, which is called the flop house uh, has done an episode on food fight yeah uh, which i've listened to a lot and in this episode they, they talk constantly about about christopher lloyd's character and they, they, they describe him as being like the, the like way he moves as being as being horrifying and upsetting <laughs> and like it's not just that, like he's animated weirdly it's that he has, seems to have some sort of like rictus <laughs> or palsy uh, and i've i've heard this episode so many times and so i was i was expecting <laughs> something you know i I thought i was prepared for how this fucking character moves and then the first scene where you see him like first of all his face looks like one of the vampires from from dust till dawn and then he moves in the most upsetting way i've ever seen an animated character move yeah i i I like have you seen uh any of the cream master films no i've I've still not um uh and i also say this i'm I'm waiting till i'm waiting till we're back in theaters (laughs) i mean kind of anyway um but there are a lot of things in that which are kind of trying to mine this very that feeling right like yeah. the feeling of like this randomized horrific movement that is see this has such an aura of threat <laughs> about it without anything and like i uh, i rewatched the original ringu recently it's a good film yeah uh, uh, i recommend it and like that it's one of the top movies where where where, where something spooky comes out of a tv yeah number one being of course videodrome <laughs> where the hand comes out of the tv yeah. and then uh, and then uh, james wood starts whipping it <laughs> Um, if anyone hasn't seen Videodrome, go fucking see Videodrome. But like, Videodrome fucking rules. But like so much of the sense of uh, of Ringu, uh, of the moments of horror in that are about unnatural motion. Yeah. Uh, and Christopher Lloyd in this film is is worse than all of that. Yeah. And the, 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 it, it has to be deliberate, the, right? The, the, there's that moment in, in, in Ringu where you see the, the like first victim and like they're like inside a closet yeah. and the closet open and you see their face and yeah. their face is just like all wrong. Yeah. And like that's what Christopher Lloyd's face looks like the whole movie. And and it it's he Okay, how to describe it in non-metaphorical words. So he def- he does not move, he flails. Yeah. 
but in, n- 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 none of his limbs are coordinated with each other. No. They are all doing uh, like you know when Bender dances and every bit of him moves independently, <laughs> but it's funky. Imagine that, but not funky. No, all the pity. Don't imagine it, please don't, because it will drive you to madness. <laughs> well, <laughs> any attempt to recreate it physically would be you can't do it. Would be ableist, right? <laughs> yes. Like it is like they are different. Like it is amongst the many things in this film where absolutely. Absolutely unintentionally, that animation is definitely offensive. Yeah, like right? the closest thing that I can think of to to what his movement is like is if you took someone with cerebral palsy and just electrocuted them. But that, I think, there's so much motion in this film, and so much of it seems so extreme. Yeah. It seems like so much to complain about. There's too much motion in this film. There's like a negative review of Fate of the Furious, right? Like, just too much movement. It's what most people didn't like about speed, good film Speed Racer. Yeah. Um, but is that I think yeah, they well, are, just in case anyone's forgotten, we've got, we've got National Speed Racer Day coming up in about eight months. Yeah, National Speed Racer Day. Uh, it's so great. Get, 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 your, get your advent calendars ready. Let's just call July Wachowski July. And you just, sure. yeah, yeah, just yeah. sit home and you watch Bound, The Matrix, yeah. The Matrix Reloaded, The Matrix, Matrix Revolutions, Revolutions, The Animatrix. Animatrix. The Matrix Online reads summaries of the stuff they oh, did yeah. there. You, 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 the cutscenes from, um, from Into the Matrix. Yeah, Into the Matrix. The Matrix Path of Neo. Yep, good game. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not it's, fair. it's a bit of an Into the Matrix. Um, Out of us, who's played both Into the Matrix and the Path of Neo more recently? Okay, when did you do it? I probably last played Into the Matrix like five years ago. Oh, uh, yeah, no, you yeah, have been. I, I, played, I played Path of Neo like seven or eight years ago. Okay, but Finn, more vitally, just get a girlfriend, please. <laughs> just please. But you cannot tell them that. <laughs> you cannot. It has to be like, so they'd be like, so Finn, we're getting to know each other. I loved that when you flirted with me by stating fact in your t-shirt where you proclaimed yourself the Jesus of comedy was... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, my t-shirt proclaims, proclaims me the Christ of comedy. Oh, right, of course. Because um, your father always kills. Mm. Um, but now, like, let's be really open and emotional. You won't tell me the thing that you did seven years ago and that's beginning to really worry me and you're like, I, I cannot tell you. And she's like, the fact that you that you feel this, restri- I'm, I'm worried, did you kill someone? And you're like, I killed many people. <laughs> well, they in, were agents. In, in, in the movie, in the game, Into the Matrix, I killed so many people. But then the moment she hears the words Into the Matrix, she will, st- like a robot, stand her face going dead yeah, and march out. I'll, I'll tell you why that won't happen. Why? Because there is, there, is, there is no girl my age who knows about the game Into the Matrix. That's definitely that, that, that a lie. That entered and exited the public consciousness so fucking fast. Um, anyway, that's Wachowski July. Everyone look forward to it. And you just got to watch all of them by the end of it. And Yeah. yeah. you you got to watch all of Sense8. I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll get around to that. Yeah, how, how how much you seem to like the first season? Like it's good. I just no, I, I, I know about your problems with with Sense8. No, it's just it's yeah. good. I just want I want Tikva and Wachowski's making a show with David Mitchell. Yeah. Um, to be 
10 out of 10 and it's only an 8 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say, what, what have you seen the, the like hour and a half long Christmas special episode? No. Okay, that, that, that's, that's for next thing after season one. No. So watch that. And if the pansexual, transcontinental, psychic orgy and mad doesn't do it for you, you don't have to watch anymore. I'm just getting bored of that content. I just want <sighs> films about just regular it, 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 dog detectives. It's, 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 so, it's so played out to have to, to have transcontinental pansexual psychic orgies. I mean, in the kind of things I like. <laughs> yeah, no fair. In the kind of things I like. Oh, yeah, I was just going to go for a couple, couple more characters, because looking for a cast list, I, I don't recognize a lot of these characters. There are some some big names in this. You, you know, you, you got you got Jerry Stiller as General yeah. X. I believe that's Ben Stiller's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Former dad. Former dad. He he is now he is now deceased. Well, and no one when dads die, they take the letters of dad to write dead. So you're one or the other, right? Uh, for, for any of you who aren't familiar with 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 Ben Stiller, you 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 might know Jerry Stiller from that one anecdote from one of John Hodgman's books about standing in an elevator with Jerry Stiller once at the Chateau Marmont. Oh, I mean, like the one thing you need to know about Jerry Stiller is that he contributed half the DNA of the director of the Cable Boy, Cable Guy, the Cable Boy, <laughs> the Cable Boy. I mean, they did do um, Son of the Mask. They, they certainly and did. Ace Ventura Junior. Yep. Kid Pet Detective. So where <laughs> is the Cable Boy? Yeah, we're we're we're. Where ba- ba- baby Jim Carrey ruins baby Michael Broderick's no Adam fuck what's his fucking name <laughs> baby Ma- Matthew, Matthew Broderick, Broderick. In- Jesus Inspector Gadget murder Broderick obviously he's done bad things but Not I would like say- starring in Ferris Bueller's Day Off <laughs> uh, but I would say that being the least interesting casting choice in the producers musical is pretty high up there you know. Like everyone else in the like, wonder what they'll do with this. I wonder how they got the reanimated corpse of Zero Mostel. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, and, and of course, uh, Gene Wildest. That's uh, he's the <laughs> yeah. He's the, what happens when you the, 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 the older brother of of Gene Wild and Gene Wilder. Well, no, uh, uh, in my head, they're all the same person. They're just l- different levels of evolution, like right. like a pocket mon. Okay, so. In this movie, we also have Haley Duff, Hilary Duff's younger sister, oh, yeah. as someone called Sweetcakes, who might be the might be the the, the woman that Daredevil Dan is street harassing, <laughs> in in the uh, so like, so part, part of what part of Daredevil Dan's whole thing is he's a stunt pilot, and there is a scene early, early in the movie where he is uh, where he is I... flying his plane through the city, incredibly low to the ground. Yeah, All right. So like he's he's already a public. He's flying his plane <laughs> low to the ground. He is, he also has like two machine guns attached to the front of the plane, which are firing for no reason. Yeah, and while and all, random shots and, are firing. And while this is happening, he is screaming sexual innuendos at, at a woman on the ground who he is, and he's like looking down her shirt at the same time. It feels unfair to pick out that moment because every moment of comedy in this film is harassment. Yeah, we meet, we meet, we meet. Uh, a bat later, who all he does... Who's, who's played by Larry Miller. Yeah. Who's, like, he my, my pick for the funniest person in the movie. Because he has one joke that lands. Um, but he also spends the whole time gay panic hitting on... Uh, uh, on um, Daredevil Dan. Yeah. Because he's an elderly gay bat. And it is just, like, every joke 
is like that. Yeah. And it's just... And it it's just, just all just him, like, standing too close to, to Daredevil Dan and and saying making a point yeah. about, like, how much he likes chocolate or something. But then, and then it cuts to Daredevil Dan and his face just goes... Yeah, it's... It's exactly like that noise. Um, I I highly like watch the trailer, but I feel like the crux of this film is the fact that first off, uh, the reason it looks like it costs one dollar when it costs sixty million is that they lost all the animation at one point. Yeah. and <laughs> like so, some people believe that the director Lawrence Kasanoff uh, uh, lost the animation on purpose so the movie wouldn't have to come out. Uh, but I'm, but I'm, that, uh, yeah, or maybe it was part of a money. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But no, I can't remember the exact reason. But, but the but the logic behind the film is by log, by Hollywood standards. Sorry, Hollywood standards. Yeah. It's that like. Do you know what successful Toy Story? Do you know what's a bit like Toy Story? Food uh, and product mascots. Yeah. And we've got a good form, a good way of money because there's so much space for product placement. Yeah. This this film was designed to be money, and then they were like, okay, so we can do a film, it can be about how generic brands are literally Nazis, um, and, and then all the mascots team up and fight back. And it's like, I can, un- like, I can see, like, in terms, like, the Lego movie, right, is essentially that. Lego, the moral of the Lego movie is buy Lego, <laughs> But no, it, but Le- Lego is pretty fun. You know, but and they execute it well. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, uh, but it is still that. It's and like, and like Toy Story increasingly was kind of about like having toys is good. Shitty old toys, no, the new toys. Buzz. Lightyear, but because He's from space, but because those four films are near peerless in their craft and performances, yeah. you ignore the fact that they are equal peons to capitalism. And I feel like there's something quite refreshing about the fact that Food Fight is actually as bad as its ideas are. <laughs> like it feels like there is an honesty to it, you know. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, but so, and and so, yeah. The Nazis come and they beat the Nazis, and he marries his girlfriend. Like that's the film. Yeah. Um. There's a horrific baby at one point, <laughs> which is my count for the most upsetting image. Yeah. In the you film. know that, that. That. Yeah. Um. And that it looks like someone as punishment has taken, um the lead character from Border and put them into that Duran Duran 3D music video. <laughs> and now all they can do, it's just, there is um, an unpl... You have to see it, but you shouldn't see it. Yeah, it is... It, uh, like, uh, you know... So, yeah, in conclusion, have you got any... I just, well, I, I just want to f- say, like, watching Food Fight... Is the most time I've ever spent just like slumped down in my seat. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't happy. I've seen uh, this film twice now. Can you imagine what it's like for me? Yeah, don't do that again. Yeah, no. I thought, okay, so here is the thing. What if Food Fight is good? Well, that movie exists and it's called Sausage Party. <laughs> but no, so which is a movie that is uh, better than people think. 
So this film, it, it's disquieting, yep. right? It's disturbing. Uh, it, it's difficult to track. Its humor is at best prejudice, at worst monstrous, right? Yeah. Uh, its heart and soul are dark. And we think that's all accidental, right? What if that's the point? What if the whole time they were trying to make a film that was like, this is it. This is the end point of what capitalism is doing to cinema. I thought you were going to go like, Lawrence Kasanov is like a film accelerationist. <laughs> Just like, if film will end, I'll end it myself. Making the last movie. I do like that idea. The idea uh, of Lawrence Kasanov as like the yeah, captain I, I, of a train. I produce true lies. I produce strange days. Yeah. Film is over now. <laughs> I mean, after those two, you'd be yeah. quite happy to end it. I mean, after strange days... Most specifically, I guess. Yeah, I, that, that's one I haven't seen yet, and I want to see Strange Days because I do not like true lies. No, I, I'm not. I, I'll, I'll let me tell you a true lie. True lies, Cameron's worst, right? I mean, I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've only seen that. Oh no, I've seen, I've seen that and uh, okay, I've seen that Avatar, Aliens, Terminator, Terminator, Terminator Two. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's Piranha Two. The quickening, I believe. Uh, the spawning. The spawning. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You haven't, no, haven't seen it? Neither. No. Um, no one has. Anyone who would watch it? No, I, I have seen uh, uh, seen Piranha 3 Double D. Why? It was on TV once. But was it in 3 Double D? No. Ah. But it's got, it's, got, it's got Adam Scott in it. Yeah, but like, so does Parks and Rec and... That is a parable about how a lovable centrist could get along with a government hating libertarian because secretly he's a nice, warm, huggy bear, and that actually they could collaborate when they get to things. And uh, then that ends, and then people start really quite reflecting positively on George Bush uh, and the people he produced, yep. uh, uh, leading to a reality show judge becoming the most powerful man in the world uh, non-consensually to all of the other people in the world. That is why on this special episode of Shite and Sound, we are calling for Second City to be shut down. I mean, yeah. What good's it done us? I just don't... I believe in a first city. You know, I don't like second options. I prefer to be an upright citizen brigade. Mm, yep. Or... Don't keep me too Dell close. I just want to keep working out till I can get to the Improv Olympics. <laughs> I just don't know what would you be working out. Just reading. I know. I was just trying to think of another name of an of, an imp, of a famous <laughs> improv theater. Um, uh, I, I just do. I think Parks and Rec, which is a show that brings me a lot of joy, has actually a bit of a shoulder to bear. Uh, uh, a burden to shoulder when it came to a normalizing libertarianism. Mm, yeah. Um, but check out Devs, because that's got like Ron Swanson. If he was really like Ron Swanson, in it. yeah, he really it's his real Ron Swan song. And just check out any movie Aubrey Plaza's in, because she'll be basically doing the same thing. Hey, she had a stroke. What? Do you remember the argument she gets into on the Scott Pilgrim DVD commentary? No. Uh, uh she. St I think it is with. Anna, what's her name? Kendrick. Anna Kendrick about whether the, the sexy girls that appear with the first evil ex that are dancing in the sky, whether mm. that's sexist or not. 
and she's clearly quite pissed off for the rest of the the commentary. I recommend it. <laughs> it's a good film, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. So food fight. I just think that like if I was making, if I was like, I want to make an art film that actually interrogates and discusses the excesses uh, uh, of capitalism and what that's doing to culture as opposed to like make there's so much stuff that i love that works on those themes but then it's like oh it's bad but the dream of the cinema is so beautiful but like food fight is like look this is what capitalism will lead to you will be led by the false idols of uh, Eva Longoria. Of Eva, no, uh, uh, of monstrous things. Yeah. The villains who you will call Nazis will be cheap, accessible food. Um, and the whole time it will be a nonsensical chain of upsetting, irrelevant jokes. And like that's what, there is nothing in Food Fight that is not the inevitable consequence of Casablanca. Um... <laughs> And that's why I don't think it's good, but I think it's more interesting. So what I'm saying is food fight is shite. Good. But, oh, thank God. But sound. There's nothing more to talk about in terms of this film, right? No. We chose a problem of choose of, of being like, let's do something political. We're like, we'll... Americans won't be nearly as dumb as to it require three days for them to repudiate the confessed sex predator child and prisoner. Well, no, turns out Arizona iced tea, not the only frozen thing in that state. They're frozen in the part anyway. Oh, okay. Sorry, no, I just don't. No, I, didn't really get that one. Oh, and we just lost, and we just we just got confirmed that we lost the the referendum. Oh right, yeah. Which uh, it was inevitable, but it would have been nice if. I just feel like Rick at Rick's Cafe being like, oh, I don't need to know what's going on. I don't want to influence anything. Is just into Arden being like, I don't want to tell you how I voted until it's over. You know, like I see mm. the same problem. How are you doing? How's your emotional landscape right now? Uh, sort of like, like, like a like a plane in a in a desert, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, oddly it, small for its surroundings. Well, so like, like vast and empty, but like somehow it kind of feels like there is a constant downward slope. That is like that's what I loved so much about. I'm thinking of ending things a film that I really, really loved yeah. was that that sense of like, like at no point in that film does anything really scary happening happen. It's just incredibly disquieting. Well, I don't know. There's, there's, there's that part where she just verbatim reads that Pauline Kael review of, of uh, a woman under the influence. You're like, was well, can't believe someone doesn't like a woman under your influence. <laughs> this is terrifying, Pauline Kale. But like this slow sense of like just everything we are slipping into madness. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Things don't make sense. And like there's the bit where he calls her by the wrong name. Yeah. And he's like, is that even my name? Doesn't even matter. I'm just like, that is like people talk about how like obviously the great film joke to make about 2020 is about how insane it is that the lighthouse is a pre covid <laughs> film but it is like it is insane that 
I'm thinking of ending things is such a close adaptation of a pre-COVID text. Mm. Like it just feels so like we're trapped in this world. There's nothing. There's no connections. All we really are is lists of regrets and dream ballets. And I kind of feel that way. That's what like food fight feels to me. It's like, no, yeah, this is what this should feel like like we shouldn't go into the lego movie 2 and be like oh this is faintly disappointing but i like i like their last giant incredibly well executed beautiful ad no it should feel like oh yeah they're just screaming at us to consume <laughs> i'm really looking into rejoining the workers party yeah. oh, and also it should be said the like final fight in food fight the climax of that is when sunshine goodness who's been missing for the whole movie she comes back and uh, she she fights uh, uh, she fights lady x yeah. and uh, she beats the shit out of her so hard that her plastic surgery breaks <laughs> and lady x becomes ugly again and then we're all like ha ha you're ugly now and it is so sunshine delight was goodness sunshine goodness is on also there are multiple times in a movie where where charlie sheen's dex detective says you are my sunshine my only sunshine and and we're, we're just like do the whole fucking song you coward i mean later on they play the whole song but it's a sad cover yeah like you are my sunshine that's so it's it's it's, it's like johnny cash doing hurt doing my yeah. only sunshine you're right I would compare the Nine Inch Nails equivalent of Hurt to the song You Are My Sunshine. I sun my shine (laughs) today to see if I still sunshine. (laughs) I focus on the sun, the only shine that suns. (laughs) And so on. No. So you're not going to do, like, your version of Closer, but describing Casablanca? No, I I was going to do more of a Johnny Cash voice and just talk about Rick Rubin being weird, (laughs) but I couldn't be bothered. You take me closer to America. That's my version of Closer, but about Casablanca. Just what can we do, like, on an organizational level to make the world less full of reckless hate? That's the thing I'm kind of trying to deal with. Yeah, so I think there is a success to Food Fight in that it actually captures the feeling of kind of late-stage capitalism in a way that I don't really think any other film has. Okay. And that, like, obviously... Now, like, you got a Blu-ray Parasite just over there. Yeah, I was, I was, gonna, I was very quickly going to get to Parasite. Parasite, right? Yeah. By being a good film, kind of cannot make it that good a commentary on capitalism. Because if Parasite can still exist within it, as much as it does force the working classes into battle with each other, I think it needs to be worse you know, I understand this Fuck. this callousness uh, and, and aggression towards America may seem may be upsetting for American listeners yeah. if we have any. And but, like, of course, we understand like not not all Americans are fascists. Sure, fine, but, but like, you don't know what it fucking feels like to live in a country that's not America yeah. and have to experience what your country does to all of us constantly. Yeah. There is no other country where like during fucking France's election, like yeah, like a little bit nervous because there's always the. Like French 
Nationalist Party kind of gets kind of close. Like there is no other no other country yeah. where like during the elections it will ruin days of my life. Well, and it's because we all live in America. Yeah, yeah. Like you guys get to vote, we just get to sit in like the weird remains of the world that you've strewn everywhere. Yeah. And I think it used to feel like we were in Casablanca, that we got to be like, oh, look at this terribleness around us. If we stay drunk and help the right people out and fall in love with the right people, everything will be okay. But we live in food fight where it is like no matter, like the, Christopher Lloyd comes in and puts whatever the fuck on his on the shelves. The people on the other shelves don't have a fucking say about that. Yeah. The Nazis are here. We, like... <laughs> I, someone was like, I am so activated by American right-wingism, I'm going to go to shoot up a mosque in New Zealand. When you voted for Donald Trump, when you had a society that existed in a way to create and encourage Donald Trump for so long, and then we have to... It's like, no, what? Like, the worst we had was Robert Muldoon, and he was like, like, if Trump had a brain in his dick, at least, you know? <laughs> So, yeah, that's why we've been so sad and had very few jokes. Yeah, we're like, sorry for two bad episodes in a row, but we're going to be funny next time. I don't think they're bad. I just don't think they're funny. Yeah. And as someone who's recently had a anthology series performed in public, you really have to learn to differentiate between the ones that are meant to be funny and the ones that aren't in a way that hypothetically theatre critics seem absolutely unable to do oh you wish it was funnier what if it wasn't meant to be so when i leave king lear the thing i always think is not enough yucks i mean it is pretty funny play i do like it when old people go blur yeah i like the part where the dude has his eyes removed yeah that is That's... pretty awkward you'd yeah. hate that right because yeah. it's a real borat too yeah moment. It, it, it's a real the office <laughs> Imagine. Okay. <laughs> it's the fir- you get the same first episode of the British office. Yeah. And it is all you have to change is that by the end of the sixth episode, they are cutting Ricky, someone's eyes. Yeah. Out. But by the end of the sixth episode, R- Ricky Gervais is having his eyes picked out by crows. <laughs> I bet you can't change the tone or style. That would be so good. So many fewer people would like it. It would be a better show. Oh, I think it would be different. <laughs> okay. So, Finn. A food fight, shite or shite. Yeah, no, it's obviously shite. This is a movie that, that well deserves its 0.9 <laughs> out of 5 rating on Letterboxd. Uh, this is one, one, <laughs> one of the worst movies. It should, you should be allowed to rate it, question mark. <laughs> like, uh, and next week we are watching... Next week we are watching Ingmar Bergman's Fanny and Alexander, which is about some kids who uh, uh, suffer uh, some uh, su- some unpleasant abuse mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, find an escape through a sort of magical realist means. Oh, all right. And uh, with that we are watching Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch, uh, a movie about a young girl who goes through some abuse and <laughs> finds an escape through magical realist means. Do you... I did it. I figured out the perfect pairing of movies. <laughs> Have you... Did you go through a pro sucker punch era? I watched it when I was like 13 and I was like, yeah, it was fine. Uh, okay. Because there were quite a few filmists of your generation. Yeah, no, that, I was. I was, I was had ne- a lot of it's actually good. Those. Yeah, I was, I was never one of those guys. That's... But yeah, I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's a movie. There's, 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 lots of, there's lots of shooting. I like that. 
But yeah. <laughs> so our theme song is The Knacks by Kazam Blam. Uh, where can you find us online? Uh, you, you can find us on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod, and you can email us at uh, ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Um, hey, and if you like the podcast, leave a review, tell your friends, like, and subscribe. Uh, you can find me as Youther Lives anywhere online. Check that out. Movies are good. Even bad ones. Go, Go watch them. This is a call out post. You made me remove his name from a previous episode. Yeah. This is a call out post name redacted. <laughs> We're coming for you. No, you're not not the other name redacted. We'll, not, we've had to redact so many names. I mean, that's good. Yeah. That shows that we are living on the edge. So, shows that so, we are truly edge lords. So, you know, we didn't redact the names of any of the people we, we threatened to murder. Yeah, but what are they going to do? <laughs> Come to New Zealand. They're not going to pay 3000 bucks to be in uh, quarantine prison camps. <laughs>